Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Spring breaks around the corner for some people. I guess kids, families that have big trips. I won't get into the big trip I took last spring break. That means I'm going to be working this spring break. And a big reason is because we're in the middle of the state legislative session. If you're new to the show, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And if you haven't heard, we're having an amazing event with other sponsors on Monday, March 13th. This is Texas Faith and Family Day. If you want to make a difference on the issues of faith, family, and freedom, the way to do it is to show up. Show up at the state capitol. We'll provide everything else you need to do to make the most of your day. That might be a great way to start off your spring break before you go on your trip. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have one of my kids there uh, who is on spring break, that's going to be helping volunteer. Go to texasfaithandfamily.com. Find out more about that information for that wonderful event. And someone who's going to be there, who's probably packing, getting ready to leave later this week, is going to be our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Riley Gaines is an NCAA winning swimming champion from the University of Kentucky. She also is one of the leading voices now for the Save Women's Sports Movement. She's going to be at our event on May, uh, excuse me, March 13th on Monday, you'll be able to see her in person. She's going to be there with the Lieutenant Governor and a lot of other great speakers. And she's going to be our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Riley, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan. I always enjoy spending my time with you guys. Um, you as a person, Texas Values, you guys are phenomenal. Well, I appreciate that. We're looking forward to having you a part of the event. And you know, I look back, it's been, I don't know, a year or so maybe not even that long, nine months ago, we crossed paths at an event over the summer. I believe it was CPAC when it was in the Dallas area. I maybe had heard a little bit about your some of your work. Of course, we've been working on the Save Women's Sports issue. We were very concerned about men that were competing in women's sports at the high school, particularly college level. And so we did get to cross paths. I want to talk about that in just a minute. But before we get into a little bit more detail about some of those issues and substances, uh, um, subject matter, excuse me, tell us a little bit about your background as a swimmer and where you were born and raised and where you, you're from originally. Absolutely. So I'm born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee, um, very similar to Texas in the fact that people here are relatively sane, right? Um, so born and raised in Nashville, I started swimming at the age of four. Um, by the time I was eight years old, that's when I transitioned to swimming year round. So this meant that eight years old, I was doing two hour practices every single day in second grade. Um, and it really only got worse from there. Um, once I got to middle school and high school, that's when I started swimming before school, I would go to school. I would then from practice or from school, go back to practice where I was um, shoveling my food down in the car and then going back to swim, come home from swim, ice your shoulder, do your homework, eat your dinner, do it all again the next day. I was well, then very fortunate to get a scholarship. I was pretty heavily recruited. I could have gone pretty much anywhere I wanted, but I chose the University of Kentucky and it was the perfect fit for me. Well, and you've done quite well. Tell us a little bit about some of the accomplishments, uh, particularly as a collegiate athlete, some of the, uh, the and where you focus in and some of the championships. And then we'll talk a little bit about how you ended up crossing paths and, and being in a competition against Leah Thomas, this male swimmer who's from the state of Texas, who ended up swimming in the women's division. But tell us a little bit about some of the awards you've won. Absolutely. Um, so during my time at the University of Kentucky, really my freshman year, um, I had a pretty decent freshman year, but nothing crazy. I really had to adjust to practicing that much. 
we were swimming six hours every day in the water. So it was a big adjustment for me. So my freshman year really was the whole adjustment period. My sophomore year, I came back and I was doing pretty phenomenal. Um, had trained really hard all year. I was super excited for our NCAA championships to which got canceled, um, of course, because of COVID in March. Um, we were supposed to leave for our, our NCAA championships. I believe it was like March 18th or so, somewhere around there. And the world shut down March 15th or so. Yeah. Um, so it felt like I had kind of trained all year for nothing. And so my junior year, I came back with really big goals. And this is where I started to set myself apart. Um, I was a 12-time NCAA All-American, which means I finished in the top eight, 12 different times in the U.S. Um, I was a two-time Olympic trial qualifier. So I tried for the Olympics in 2016 and 2020, actually 2021 because of COVID. Um, I'm a five-time SEC champion. Uh, my dad was an SEC football player. So this was something that I really worked hard to accomplish. And I'm actually the SEC record holder in the 200 butterfly. Um, but aside from athletics, because of course I wanted to excel in athletics, I really put in a lot of work to excel academically and as well in the community. Um, community service is something I'm even now so extremely passionate about. I just started Sumner County's first Special Olympics swim team where I'm the head coach. Um, so I finished my career also as the SDC Scholar Athlete of the Year, as well as the SDC Community Service Leader of the Year. Well, you know, and I really appreciate you bringing some of that up. You know, a lot of times, and you do, you got to focus so much on swimming to be successful at the level you're at. And a lot of times, athletes are already really good, but they realize at the collegiate level, you got to take it to another level to be someone who qualifies for the Olympics. We know that a lot of times, swimming at the Olympic level is dominated by the United States or they're one of the top finishers and they do really well. And, th and that's something we're proud of here in the United States, but that means, well, you have to be the best of the best in the world. So amazing for you to be able to do that, but also, you know, to be able to appreciate the impact that communities can have and that support and being able to give back. And I'm glad to hear you do that. Okay. I want to talk about what you're doing now and, and really where a lot of this started for you, too, in some ways, where you had to cross paths and race against Leah Thomas, this male swimmer who was competing in the women's division. Before I do, but I'm going to I want to share on my live feed on my phone, and I want everybody else to do this at watching on Facebook. Let's share this because you're going to want to hear what Riley has to say next about what she had to deal with, and she'll talk more about it on Monday. Tell us about um, the first uh, these some of these circumstances with Leah Thomas and how that led to you getting in, involved in the Save Women's Sports Movement. Absolutely. So, like I said, we came back my junior year. I finished top eight in the country, but I knew I wanted to be a national champion. I set it to be my goal my senior year. Um, November of my senior year, so November of 2021, which is about the middle of our season, I looked as if I was going to get my chance. Um, I was ranked third in the nation um, behind one amazing female athlete that I was very familiar with because like in most sports, your top tier athletes know of each other, um, regardless of where you compete in the country because you've grown up competing against each other. Um, but the person who was ranked first, I had never heard of before. And of course, this was the first time that I became aware of Leah Thomas. And so there were a couple of red flags up until this point, again, unbeknownst to me that this was a male. Um, on paper, this was a senior who came out of nowhere, her senior year, um, which is bizarre. They were from University of Pennsylvania, which is not a school that historically produces fast swimmers. And the, the last kind of really weird thing about this was Leah was ranked first in the 100 freestyle, which is a sprint. 
and everything in between until the mile, which is of course long distance. And so think of this like running. You don't have your best 200 meter runner be your best marathon runner. They're two totally different systems. And so there were a lot of red flags, but it never once occurred to me this could be a male until of course an article was posted disclosing that Leah Thomas was formerly Will Thomas and swam three years on the men's team at UPenn before switching to the women's team. Well, and real quick, I'm gonna interrupt Riley. He was a swimmer on the men's team, the boys team in high school at Westlake High School, which is a west part of Austin, but it's one of the most well-known high schools in Texas and in a lot of places throughout the country. Produced Nick Foles, who won the Super Bowl as a quarterback, produced Drew Brees, who was going to go to the Hall of Fame, former New Orleans Saints quarterback and also uh, Super Bowl champion. So around this area, everybody knows Westlake High School, but you had this situation happen and here he is. And then you had to swim against him. Right. Yeah. The, um, well, I, when I first heard of Leah Thomas being Will Thomas, I looked up who Will Thomas was. I'm like, who is this person to which I saw Will Thomas's times and where Will ranked amongst the other men to which at best in the men's division, Will ranked 462nd. Um, and now obviously he was leading the nation. And so I thought there was no way the NCAA would, would let us swim against this person because it's blatantly obvious that it's unfair. Um, but the NCAA did not see it that way. And of course we did compete against each other. And so that first day I sat on the side of the pool because this was not an event that I competed in um, and watched Leah won a national title in the 500 freestyle beating three Olympians, American record holders by body lengths, seconds, which in swimming seconds is a lot. And so that next day was the day that Thomas and I competed against each other in the 200 freestyle to which almost impossibly enough resulted in a tie. Um, we went the exact same time down to the hundredth of a second, which I think our time was like one minute, 43 seconds, 0. 0.52. Um, so pretty rare, of course. And so we go behind the awards podium and the NCAA official looks at Thomas Nye and says, great job. You guys tied. We have one trophy. The trophy goes to Thomas. And so I, of course, question him, you know, look, I understand we tied. I understand there's one trophy, but what's your thought process on being so adamant on giving it to Leah? And the NCAA official looks at me and says, well, we have to give this trophy to Leah for photo purposes. Um, you can pose with this one, but you will give it back. You go home empty handed. Leah takes the trophy. Unbelievable. I, and, you know, and look, this is and I'm sure there was a lot to take in during that time for you. Right. Um, not really sure about who this person was and then realizing you had to compete against him and then end up being a tie. And really, you know, and I know you've won a lot of things, uh, but I would imagine, you know, sort of disgusted, embarrassed. And, you know, I mean, that's got to sting a little bit just to sort of be slighted that way, but probably not really prepared to figure out how to deal with it. Um, all right. I want to move to what you're doing now, but I want to leave it right there because I know there's a little bit more to the story. I want you to tell it about what happened in the locker room. You got to come to Faith and Family Day. All right. You want to know the rest of the story. You need to come in Faith and Family Day on March 13th on Monday. We will be live streaming it, but come in person. You got to uh, experience the capital, all this stuff in person. But we have a surprise for Riley at our event on Monday. So you want to be there when this takes place. Tell us, Riley, let, let's move forward a little bit here. You're now, you, you, you know, you, that happened. You started speaking about it. That's how you and I met at CPAC. We were already doing some of this work. But I mean, that seems like a long time ago. 
Because here you are every other day, you're on Fox News, you're writing articles, you're going to events and doing a great job. Um, what's it been like uh, to be really one of the leaders now for Save Women's Sports? And are you hearing a lot of young or female athletes that are saying, you know what, thank you. And now they're getting more confident. Absolutely. Um, I truthfully believe people are becoming more bold. Um, I think we, as a society, we've let little things go on too long to where it's now turned into this, turned into something as blatantly obvious, like I said, and unfair as having men compete in women's sports. The pendulum has swung a little too far and people are, are eye-opened, especially parents. No parent wants to see their daughter lose out on opportunities, wants to see their daughter share a locker room with a fully intact male. Um, no mom, no dad, wherever you stand on the political spectrum wants that for their kids. And so people are starting to become more bold. It's definitely something I'm seeing. I know girls who are in my same position at the collegiate level. I was very fortunate at the University of Kentucky, my athletic director from the beginning, when I told him how I felt, he told me to speak my heart, which is a rarity. There's not another athletic director in this, in this country within the NCAA who is encouraging their athletes to speak their heart. Um, well, look, I've I mean, it is very important, you know, and it's Absolutely. such a part of our culture, right? The First Amendment, what we believe in, freedom as Americans, but there's a lot of pressure, right? You, I mean, you're there to compete. It's, it's not like you're there to make a political statement. And look, I'm a lawyer, a constitutional lawyer. I'm all about the First Amendment and protecting it. But I know for athletes, I mean, that's that's not their focus. They want to go out and compete and win. But sometimes you got to step up and say something. Um, I know you're supporting the legislation we're working on here in Texas. I know you're going around the state working on that in, your, in the state where you competed, Kentucky and others. We're looking forward to having you on Monday, March 13th, where this issue is going to be focused. It's a priority item in the Senate. Um, we've also talked to our House Speaker. He's expressed his support. Of course, there's a bill filed in the House. There's a lot of support for it. The governor's talking about it, okay? And nice. I talked with him earlier this week. I'm trying to get a meeting set up so the two of y'all can have a little bit of a conversation. But um, we're looking forward to having you. Monday, March 13th, Texas Faith and Family Day. If you want to get signed up, it's a free event, all right? There's a $5 charge if you want lunch, but you got to eat that day. But come over to the Capitol from 9 to 11.15. We're going to be doing a briefing. We're going to have a rally on the south steps of the Capitol at noon. Come for your lunch break. See Riley speak. The lieutenant governor is going to be there. All kinds of other people. And you don't want to miss that surprise we have for her. Riley, we got to wrap it up um, with you. I got to... Um, I got a little bit of information I want to share with people, but I want to save a little bit too of some of your stuff, but I want people to know, go to our social media sites. You want to see, we produce some videos with a little bit more detail about Riley and we're getting ready to launch our own save women sports website. So check in for that. And okay. I've got these swim caps. All right. These are the save women sports, Texas value swim caps that we're going to have on our event. I may or may not be compelled to put one on. It looks a lot better when Riley puts one on, trust me, because she knows how to wear them. I am not a competitive swimmer. However, we're going to have many of these. We might have Riley sign them. Maybe if Maybe. you're a kid, you can demonstrate it. But Riley, we're looking forward to having you at this event on Monday. And we really appreciate you being our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Of course. Thank you guys for your leadership. All right, we'll see you soon. All right, we're going to let Riley go. I'm going to do a little bit of wrap up here too because I do want to continue our push for Faith and Family Day. This is a nice little tote bag that we're going to have for everybody that comes. Remember, this is a free event, okay? We're, this is not a fundraising event. This is an activist event. Government belongs to those who show up. You got to show up at the Capitol. So you're going to want this because we're going to have some folders 
that you're going to carry around. We've got some nice little wristbands that say Texas is pro-life. This one save women's sports. We're going to have some water bottles. So you'll have, you know, way to, to have a drink, keep yourself refreshed. TexasFaithAndFamily.com. Get your tickets now or TXValues.org. We have buses coming from Dallas and Houston. Still a couple of seats left. We try to do everything we can to make it easy for you. And once you get here, we're going to have everything you need to be do prepared. And you're not going to just be sitting in an auditorium all day having somebody tell you stuff and being lectured to. We're going to do a little bit of that in the morning, about an hour and a half, just so you know what to do, where to go, and how it's all going to work. Then we're going to rally on the South Steps at noon, and then we're going to turn you loose, match you up with your House member and Senate member, because your voice needs to be heard, okay? And they need to hear from you. The good ones, the bad ones, if you will, they need to hear from you. They need to know people from across the state support these values. All right, we're going to – this is a um, a double segment, if you will, okay? We've got a uh, great opportunity to have two guests today. I'm trying to sandwich them in. Um, Brian Harrison is going to be our next guest. He is a state representative from uh, sort of North Texas, north of the Central Texas area. And so, but he's done a lot of great work. He did some work in the Trump administration for many years, also for the Bush administration, uh, but is originally from Texas. He's a native Texan, and we're glad to have him on. Uh, Representative Harrison, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thank you, Jonathan. Always great to be with you, my friend. Well, listen, it's great to catch you. I know it's starting to get busy at the Capitol. Things yeah. are picking up and we're looking forward to having you spend some time with us on Monday at Faith and Family Day so you can talk about some of the work that you're doing. You filed some pieces of legislation early in the session, some more recently for us in the in the loop, if you will. The bill filing deadline is tomorrow, Friday. So there's a lot of activity, but a lot of the good stuff and what's expected has been filed. But you've been getting a lot of attention. Tell us about some of that attention you've been getting this week on some pieces of legislation that you filed. Oh, well, I feel like there's always a lot of attention. I'm not, I'm not always all of the good uh, from the press. But yeah, I mean, we've been very busy since the first day. I mean, my office is here very late uh, and starts very early. We're just trying to take advantage of every every day, every hour, every minute we have here to make uh, an impact, to improve the lives of Texans, to uh, maximize individual liberty, freedom, and uh, protect you know the most vulnerable among us. And, and that, that's obviously our, our children. And so some of the bills that have received a lot of attention are some of the bills that I have filed to protect um, Texas children from these um, incredibly dangerous, uh, risky uh, transgender procedures, these sex alteration procedures that, quite frankly, we know very little about. We, we don't know how it's going to affect um, these young children uh, over the course of their lives. So I filed two bills on that subject that have got a, a fair amount of attention. One is really just a replica of what Florida did. I mean, I wish Texas were leading on this issue. I I think we should have banned these procedures last session, but we'll get there. Um, Florida protected their children, and I want Texas children to be at least as protected as Florida's children. And so we would ban uh, outlaw, make a prohibited procedure, these sex change procedures for anybody under the age of 18 in the state of Texas. And then for everybody over 18, I filed a separate bill which doesn't speak to the legality of these sex change procedures, but it's modeled after the federal Hyde Amendment, which is a, a bipartisan solution that has, was reached a half a century ago with Republicans and Democrats, pro-life, pro-choice. It says, no matter how you feel about the issue of abortion, it should be uncontroversial that taxpayer dollars shouldn't fund it. So I think that's a very good approach for adults here in the state of Texas. Uh, no Texan should be forced to pay for their neighbor's sex change uh, operation. So those are the two bills that I filed uh, that have gotten a fair amount of attention here lately. Yeah, well, listen, and those are important issues, right? They're being talked about a lot. 
not only at the state, but the federal level. And you're right, Florida has been doing a lot of great work on these issues. I know their governor, Ron DeSantis, was here in Texas last week. He was at an event in Houston, also in Dallas. I imagine we'll see him getting out and about a little bit more. Their session, I think, ends early in May. Um, but we meet every other year, right? And so a lot can happen over that year period of time between sessions. So sometimes you'll see Texas figuring out and seeing, okay, what are some other states doing? What do we need? And and that gives us a, a roadmap a lot of times to see what's working, what legislation's working, if there's been litigation. And I think we're in a great position to get something done. I wish these issues weren't getting a lot of attention because I wish they weren't going on. But these are legitimate problems that need to be solved. And they need to be solved now, right? And, and sometimes people yeah, try to figure out and think about, get their head around, what's the legislative process? Why do people go to the Capitol? And that's my opinion. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. It's trying to find solutions to problems. And there are legitimate problems on this issue. And a lot of it is because we don't have anything in state law that provides protection or regulation about some of these things. I talked about this last session two years ago when it comes to child sex change operations. It's the wild, wild west. People can pretty much do whatever they want. Yeah, well, here's the interesting thing, because you're right. This, the Texas legislature by the Constitution meets every other year, of course, unless the governor calls us back for a special session. So so two things on that. I mean, one, the governor did call the legislature back for yeah. th three different special sessions uh, during the 87th legislature. I absolutely believe this should have been addressed then. It wasn't. But on the I issue of giving Texas children protection now, Jonathan, here's something a lot of people don't understand. Florida the way they protected their kids, it actually wasn't even through their legislature. The unelected bureaucrats in Florida, usually the, the most liberal of the branches of government, right. right? The unelected bureaucrats in Florida have done more to protect children than elected officials in Texas. And, th and that's embarrassing. We should never allow that to happen. But the way that, that Florida children were protected originally, I think they're passing laws this session, it was their Texas medical board. They said, we're going to step up and do the right thing. We are going to protect our children using the authority the legislature gave us. So I publicly demanded that the Texas uh, Medical Board use the exact same playbook that happened in Florida. They can copy and paste the regulation from the Florida Medical Board, pass that into a rule out of the Texas Medical Board. And before you and I are done with this interview, Jonathan, Texas children could be as protected as Florida's. It's quite yeah. frankly, it's indefensible that the Texas Medical Board has chosen, instead of protecting children from these dangerous sex change procedures, they're okay with that. They're not protecting that. They're supporting that. But they're prosecuting doctors in the state of Texas who did nothing more than prescribe safe, legal treatments for COVID patients uh, in the early days of the pandemic. With priorities like that, I think the Texas Medical Board might need to have their authorities reexamine this session as well. No, I think you're absolutely right. They need that type of scrutiny. And you think about it, yeah, let's just get it done. Why does it have to be that complicated? Why do we always have to have legislation? But I know during the session, we're going to make every use of that time, and I know you are, and that's what we're going to be focusing on, too. So I'm glad you're taking the lead on this. I want to give you a little bit of time, too, because our um, our double segment's a little bit tighter than our usual program, and I appreciate you appreciate you fitting some time in. You filed a bill pushing it back against TASB, the Texas Association of School Boards, which is not a government entity, but because nope. of the fact that they're in some advocacy and sort of quasi-legal role for just about every school district or 1,200 school districts in the state of Texas— They've sort of by de facto become that. Tell us why you're pushing back against this entity and what the issues are. 
Yeah, a lot of confusion and murkiness around this. So at a minimum, I'm trying to shine a spotlight, get some disinfectant uh, on, on this massive and growing problem in the state of Texas. People think that this organization called the Texas Association of School Board sounds like a governmental organization. People think it's like some agency of the state government. No, it's a random 501c3 voluntary, not-for-profit so-called organization in Texas that uh, represents um, almost every school board in the state of Texas, unfortunately. So this not-for-profit organization gets millions and millions and millions, not of private money, of your money. If you're watching this and you pay school property taxes, you are funding the Texas Association of School Board. In fact, you're giving them so much money, they're able to give their executive director a taxpayer-funded salary of over $1.1 million. Are you dollars. kidding what? me? I'm not kidding. I didn't even know that. And we've put a lot of scrutiny on TASB, Texas Association, yeah. Associates of School Boards, over the years, because what yeah. we see a lot that they do, because people think, oh, this is a government entity. I guess what mm -hmm. the advice they're giving us is accurate. They're always telling people, this is what we recommend, and this is the direction we think the law is going. Yeah. That direction is almost always going in a more liberal direction That's a, that, that is restrictive of religious freedom, that advances and supports LGBT and gender ideology. And you know, you're putting people in legal jeopardy when you give them that type of advice, and it's not based on current precedent. It's sort of where you think it's going. And they always put some qualified statement somewhere in their yep. analysis but i'm glad you're pushing back we're about to run out of time one other thing i know is a big deal you're pushing back against the vaccine mandates uh real quick 15 20 seconds tell us what that's about look vaccine mandates i'm sorry especially for covid 19 these this is a line in the sand issue for liberty if we in the great free state of texas can allow governments especially uh far away governments in washington dc and unelected bureaucrats to force needles into our, our our arms against our wishes we might as well give up on informed consent medical freedom the 10th amendment the entire premise of the united states constitution so many states have banned these tyrannical covid 19 vaccine mandates i want texas to resume our place as the leader of the 50 yep. states in defending individual freedom and medical freedom we got to ban covid 19 vaccine mandates this session i couldn't agree more State Representative Brian Harrison, who's in his first session, but he's not a rookie. Trust me, he's done a lot of work on these areas. He knows exactly what he's talking about, has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thank you, sir. Great to be with you, Jonathan. Have a great day. All right. I'm sorry I had to rush him a little bit. We, you know, 26 minutes goes by so quick that the next thing you know, you're just about out of time. And so we really appreciate the two guests that we had today, texasfaithandfamily.com, Monday, March 13th. You've got to come to this event. That's how you're going to hear more about faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.